0: Hey guys, this is Adam Carswell, the founder of the Dream Chasers platform, and thank you for tuning into our content. We've got some phenomenal creators making a name for themselves on this platform, and we just want to say thank you for going on this journey with us. It's been a lot of fun over the past few years, and hey, we're just getting started. We would also like to take this moment to shine light on our sponsor, Raise Masters, the number one mastermind for elite capital raisers. To learn more about Raise Masters, you can go to RaiseMasters.com. That's RaiseMasters.com. And again, thank you for investing your most valuable resource with us. Your time. Now kick back and enjoy the show.
1: Hello and welcome to the TGIF with Courtney podcast. I'm your host Courtney Stone and today we have an amazing guest joining us Adepia Dorico. Adapia, how are you today?
0: I'm doing so well. Thanks Courtney.
1: Yeah, no, thank you for coming on. Um, so why don't we start off here by you telling us about your story and how you've grown so far on your journey.
0: Sure. Yeah. We were talking, I said, which part of the story, because it feels like it's such a long journey and I know everybody feels that way. Um, I would say, you know, just focusing on career because it's actually the, the thing that I thought I wouldn't have anymore. And then the one thing that now has really come back strongly in my life. Um, so, you know, in short order, I started working in a bank when I was 18. Like I understood when I was really young that, um, I didn't want anyone to tell me what to do. And I figured if I made enough of my own money, then nobody would tell me what to do. I mean, I think that was like my basic primary drive was freedom and my own empowerment. And I understood that there. And I had a pretty zigzag career, despite knowing that, because then I have a lot of interests. I moved to Europe. I lived there for a long time. I, I tried different, different things for work for, um, for university. I went originally for university, did some work study there. Um, and then I lived there for, for quite a long time. Um, and while I was living there, when I was living in Italy, I actually managed to, um, get a job at a hedge fund in Switzerland. So I would drive across the border. Cause I lived in Northern Italy, which is a normal, I know it sounds like like really exotic, but it was like a really normal thing to, to do there. Um, and I was at that hedge fund when um, when the great financial crisis began. So when Lehman went down, when everything happened. Um, and so that was a very formative experience for me. Um, and even though the fund was fine, um, I decided shortly after um, that I wanted to do something a little bit different with my life. And I was going through a lot of changes at that time. And I actually did a complete 180 and I became an entrepreneur entrepreneur and went into business with my sister, who's an artist. And for several years, we built a brand around her art. And so the whole idea was um, artists really are kind of told you can't make money, you know, unless like you're represented by a gallery and they take 60% and there's this whole system that basically in a way keeps them down. Um, And so with nothing to lose in 2008, we, you know, we decided like, let's just, let's just try something different with her art. Um, and so we started licensing it and making our own merchandise and going to comic cons and this whole movement around like art and artists really started to, to build up. And we kind of rode that, rode that wave, um, for several years. And all of that kind of brought me, um, well, it showed me how much of an entrepreneur I am. Like I really, like I really loved, I didn't know that I was an entrepreneur, but I really was. And I got to apply a lot of the business skills that I learned in school that were very different from um, what I was doing in like banking or finance or, or hedge funds. Um, And so that, Brought me into crowdfunding because when crowdfunding really started to be a thing that people could use um, around 2011, like we crowdfunded our own books, it's like lot, like just did lots of things to raise money to just to to build the business, and um and let's see then uh then that is actually how I got into real estate crowdfunding. Um, so at a certain point around 2013, I moved to LA. And um and my sister and I kind of went our separate ways. She had the business. I wanted to do something else. Um, and I kind of stumbled into real estate crowdfunding because I was already in crowdfunding. And then when the Jobs Act came out, I I understood the principle of well, you can turn your fans into shareholders. And so I really understood that. And I was like, oh, this is really good. Um, which. Couldn't was not actually possible until 2016. Um, but in the meantime, it got me interested. It got into real estate crowdfunding, helped launch one of the early platforms, kind of launched the whole industry. Um, and in all of this time that I'm speaking is years. I never really take a break. And so at a certain point, you know, at a certain point, um, a few years into this, uh, I I burnt out you know, I burnt out. I was nonstop. I always have to go. I always have to grow. I always have to do more. I always have to prove myself. And, um, and when I burnt out, I had an experience that, that forced me to stop. Um, and that, and that whole experience changed my life and it took several years for it to fully play out because, um, it was devastating to my sense of identity and my sense of accomplishment, which was part of my identity. Um, but ever since then, I've, I've been able to make like a pretty big, um, pretty big turnaround, actually.
1: Yeah, no, that's amazing. So why don't you um, go into a little bit what that process was mentally doing the doing the entrepreneurship, but then shifting and taking that burnout, but then creating Something amazing because now you have a book out if no one (laughs) has heard of it yet it's productive intuition amazing read I have to recommend it, but why don't you uh, talk a little bit about what that title is what that means and how that's translated into your story now.
0: Sure. Yeah. That book, um, is the book I needed when I went through what I went through and, um, because it was like definitely like physical and, and mental burnout. Um, but it was also spiritual awakening, um, very much. And I couldn't find my answers in the world that I knew. And I didn't think that I could talk to anybody. And quite frankly, I couldn't, if I try to talk to somebody like in my sphere, um, you know, it it would kind of be blank stares, or I didn't want people to think I was going crazy, because to be honest, it felt like I was going crazy. Um, and, and so I went on a journey to find my answers. And really, the only place I could find those was within the spiritual community and within kind of ancient texts. And a lot of the things that you know, to be honest, I had like poo pooed and thought like that's really weird, like not no, not for me. Like it's it's too out there. Um, but that's 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 honestly where I found my answers. And as cliché as it sounds, it's where I found myself um, because I found what was behind the striving and the constant like I have to prove myself an accomplishment. A lot of it was like mental structures. Um, a lot of it was past conditioning. And so essentially I had to get past all of it. And in a way it was all falling away. And when I came out the other side of this really long process, I had also gone through some, some soul searching as it relates to what I wanted to do in the world. And I, and I thought I could never go back to business because at, especially in the beginning, I felt so disconnected from that. Like I, like that's not me anymore, but in reality, that's only what I do. It's not who I am. And so I had to go get really clear on that. And in a way the book is sort of like my manual, what I learned about waking up about who I really am about like trusting myself about trusting that there's like a greater source or force, whatever you want to call it that supports me. And I tap into it and I call it inner authority And I learned that doesn't matter. What's out there? What matters is what's in here, and therefore I can choose what I want to do. And so I chose to go back into business, and now I'm a partner at a private equity firm doing real estate, doing what I love, what I'm really good at. Um, and you know, most recently I've extended that into an organization called Women of Wealth, which is um, which is a mastermind and a and a community and a network for women who want to grow their wealth. Because um, the the last piece of my journey really has been accepting what wealth is and why it's important um, and getting rid of a lot of the negative kind of money messages that I had in myself that actually stopped me from being able to achieve um, a certain sense of security and safety and peace that I wouldn't allow myself um, to have.
1: Yeah, no, that's really great. And that's a great point that you made too, is People usually identify wealth and wanting to strive for financial freedom, quote unquote, is just trying to get ahead and make as much money as you can. But everyone does need money to survive. And there's a point where you have to, I think, reach a level of peace within yourself that you're not hurting others by making yourself successful. Hopefully not. Hopefully your job is very um, polite and respective of others. But um, that you need to provide for yourself in order to live your best life and be able to have others impacted positively as well. Like you writing this book, I'm sure it took a little bit of time, effort, well, a lot of time and effort, especially in like internally too, for you to go through this experience. And that all I'm sure plays into taking time out of your actual busy schedule and um, job itself, like you running a business and things like that. So I think there's a balance of doing things for yourself and that also and then also the job aspect. But then when you find like the middle ground, which I think you have done really well of um your passion and then also your job because I think that gets lost and some people just work for the money um but finding that balance and helping people connect like through your mastermind too is really great and it's a great message to put out there like wealth is not usually it's not like the end all be all worst evil in the world it's more so power struggle I think which just gets related to money a lot
0: but yeah um. (laughs) yeah No, I agree. And you make a really good point. Like that's the thing. It's like money is not good or bad inherently. It's actually very neutral. And, you know, we can get into like, and I'm not going to, but like, like, because I've been reading up on like the history of money and like money was seashells. Money was big, giant, like stone wheels in some cultures, like money was salt for the Romans. And so it's, it's really just an energetic exchange of value. And one of the big things that I noticed that a lot of us go through in, in the mastermind in the group is this idea of like, but it's not fair if I make more money than, than somebody else. But in reality, You know, because there is so much hoarding. Because it's just like I said, it's neutral, but it's the intention behind how we use it that is the thing. So if you go into it with a certain intention, then why wouldn't you? Why shouldn't you have more? Like, why shouldn't I have more? Why shouldn't you have more? Because how I choose to redeploy that money and use it with like the way I invest and who I invest in and how I put it out there makes a difference in the world. Because as much as maybe, I'm pretty sure everyone who listens to your podcast understands this, but like, we live in a world that's, that's directed and driven by an exchange of value that we call money. So if you don't have it and you can't participate, like money changes the world. So money in the right hands changes the world. And I want more money in more women's hands because they invest with their values. And there's so many ways to do that. And so really what I want is for them not to feel like, oh, I shouldn't have it because that makes me bad because somebody else doesn't have as much. Like that's the big message that we have to get out. And the message that our money is a tool, like I don't work for my money. My money works for me, right? With passive income. Like I put it in places that it makes money for me. So it sustains me and supports me so that I'm free to do and go, and make the changes that I wanna make in the world.
1: Yeah, I think that's great. It's putting the time and effort into one, making money the way you want to, and then also having that money work for you. I think you get what you give out in the world. So if you put your money, invest it wisely into whatever you want that's hopefully successful, then you will get paid in return, but like internally and externally. But, and then you'll be able to share that wealth with others, one knowledge, but then also maybe physical wealth. Like I'm sure like masterminds help people grow, especially, I think that's what I've come to learn. Like I know Adam has a mastermind. You have a mastermind. This one's, mm-hmm. I love that it's specifically geared towards women. Cause I feel like, especially in the real estate sector and a lot of other business sectors, women are less um, prominent. We aren't the, the dominating group necessarily. Yeah. But I think it's, it's great to have more women in business because it also, yeah, like you said, adds that extra value because I know you talk about this in your book, too. It's like the feminine versus the masculine. Sometimes our feminine energy gets taken the wrong way, but I think business could actually use a little bit more of that. Yeah. and Would you want to touch on how you think like the feminine versus masculine actually works be- like in tandem better in business?
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, um, like what's been fascinating to me is the past few years, as you can see, like whether it's like Corn Ferry or McKinsey, but like they've placed a really big emphasis on showing with statistics and data how um, basically just how much more lucrative it is to have women in positions of power in companies like and even like venture capital stats about how women and especially women of color return more dollar for dollar than any other type of CEO. And yet they receive like 0.2% of all funding. Um, so we have, we have a distribution problem, both of power and of resources. And so moving that into literal, like literal feminine hands um, is a first step. And then within us, it's more of an energy, right? Because Everyone has masculine and feminine energies. It's, it's, it's just an energetic thing. It's not, like a, necessarily a label um, because I have a lot of masculine traits like competitiveness or assertiveness is considered a more masculine trait. Whereas like nurturing or empathy is considered a more feminine trait. And it's just a long, it's just a, long a spectrum and we all have it. So we can all um, uh, like accept and, and, and start to touch into those traits that we may think with our minds are not part of who we are. Um, so for example, when I went on that spiritual journey, I essentially, um, disenfranchised myself from a lot of my masculine traits that had helped me be successful in business. That was not the right thing to do because I still need my masculine traits. They helped me succeed. And I went and kind of found my more feminine traits and and kind of reintegrated them in myself. And then I had to re-reintegrate my masculine traits because I had kind of like pushed them over here. So I had been creating separation inside of myself instead of integration, which is what we're all trying to do. So um, it's it's an exercise just in a ton of awareness. And I meet so many men, you know, to be honest, that are like very in tune actually with some uh, like feminine qualities and they're men doesn't make them less men it actually to me makes them more because they're just, they're so much more understanding. They're more complete. They're more successful. Um, and I think we can kind of see playing out on a world stage when you're overly in one side of an energy, what that does, it doesn't work anymore. Um, and so we, we just all need to start to kind of bring it back in um, to ourselves And I find the most successful leaders and statistics also show that the most successful leaders have a score very high on soft skills, which we could call feminine. Um, Because at the end of the day, business is people. And so if you know how to deal with people, then you're going to be more successful. So it's also logical. Yeah,
1: no, that's um, another great point. Um, I also wanted to ask what kind of in finding those energies within yourself and kind of having to balance, do that balancing act. What are some of the specific tools that you've used that can help others to kind of gain their own consciousness of what's going on in their lives and how to reach this kind of sense of higher self?
0: Yeah. 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 um, So as you know, in the book, I, at every chapter, I have like some tools and exercises and and things because it's, it's different for every single person piece of where we're at, like whether it's mental tools or emotional tools, but number one tool is mindfulness, um, which is a, is just like a form of acute awareness, um, which is a practice. It's like every day, all the time. And at first it can be, I think overwhelming if we're not used to it because, um, it could just be a lot to always be noticing everything, um, about the way you do things. So the easiest way to first tackle mindfulness is through meditation, um, and just watching your thoughts. And, um, sometimes, well, most times these days, um, I don't necessarily do close-eyed meditation. Like I just like to let my mind wander if I go for a walk outside. Cause I live, um, I live very close to nature now, which is, which has been huge for me. Um, so, you know, meditation works for a lot of people. Breath work is a, very powerful tool. Um, My number one practice that really supported me the most was yoga because I'm very physical. So if you're a physical person, like exercise and yoga, especially um, because it literally has uh, the way it's designed is to merge mind, body, emotion, and soul through movement. And so it's to me, it's been the most powerful tool. And that worked for me. Other people do um do other things. But if you're physical, yoga is going to be a really good one. Um, and breath work has come out lately as, and it is a very powerful tool. Yoga has breath work, but then there's like the Wim Hof method. Um, there's lots of different ways because the the breath, I mean, the breath is everything. So we activate the breath, we also activate different pathways um in our body and in our mind.
1: That's great. Um, I'll agree with you on the yoga um piece of it I actually did that before I read your book and stuff but I noticed that kind of mind body awareness at the same time I think it's because you have to think about all your moves but then how you feel at the same time which usually isn't like running just kind of you want to like end the end the jog or something (laughs) yeah runner but yoga is a very I think um conditioned like conscious um awareness of your physical body but then also taking a rest in the mental side of things like you're not on overdrive you have to think about just how you feel where you are in the moment and I think that's really important to just take that time for your brain to relax but then also kind of think through how you're feeling as well so yeah that's a great recommendation I think and um another question that I had before we wind it down here a little bit was that I know this is a little bit of a different podcast because usually I ask what small habits do you have but this is a very like holistic journey I think that's very different um what are some resources that you've used to kind of get into the take the first stepping stone into this process because I know I think the the first step is the biggest and the hardest to get to um just to start the journey so what have been some of the resources that helped you kind of really focus in on the productive intuition
0: oh um, well, it, 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 I think it goes back to the, to the yoga, honestly, because my, my number one resource was myself. Um, it just took me a while to figure that out. And that, that's the thing is, is that we're always looking for something outside point me to this thing out there that I can use. And actually you have it already. You just have to sit with it. You have to sit with yourself. You, like maybe to that end, it would be journaling because I was able to externalize my thoughts. Um, and just a lot of self-reflection and contemplation. Um, I like, I, and I still, today I do it, I do it constantly. I'm so, I'm so super hyper aware of myself, um, which is good. Um, it, you know, it's sometimes it's really annoying. Um, cause it's just like, just live, like, just let myself live a little, you know, it's like this constant like battle. Um, but journaling was probably like the best tool because I could see, and experience and hear and feel what was going on, and then I I would be able to to, to as it was happening to kind of think about it, and and ask myself questions. So the self reflection questions, like, um, but like even some question really simply like, is that mine? Like, is that my belief, or is it somebody else's? Like, is that even my emotion? Like, why do I feel this? Where does it come from? Like, very much questioning everything. Um, and letting the answer that came up also be okay so that I could kind of get to the bottom of it. I was also very supported because I really built a community around myself, um, especially of women. Uh, And so I had a community of of people that I could speak to um, that were maybe going through similar things. So not so much therapy. I mean, I have a, a dear friend who's an incredible therapist. So like having somebody like that also is very helpful, but the support network around you, um, safe spaces, safe people, um, and maybe a different, a different, a different kind of resource if somebody can get to it, which I just, I just adored was sound baths. Sound baths are like, familiar. (laughs) they are the best. They're just like, that would be like a Friday night. Um, you just go like, do a sound bath because it's kind of like what you get when you're in shavasana from yoga, but without having to do all the hard work first, um, <laughs> of like the yoga practice. Yeah. So I really love that. And it's not so, you know, for some people it might be like, really like, you know, out there, um, you know, to, to do something that's like, you know, psychedelic, but this is like, you kind of get a similar experience, but without having to take a substance.
1: Great. Well, Thank you so much. I know you have a hard stop coming up soon. So I just have mm-hmm. one quick more question. You kind of just touched on it, but this is TJF with Courtney. So on top of all of your amazing work that you do and your schedule, I know it's packed probably <laughs> as a lot of entrepreneurs are. Um, what's one other way than maybe the sound bass that you take time for yourself to relax and unwind just for fun, not necessarily mm. meditation can be fun, but is there anything that you do yeah. specifically on the weekends just to kind of relax? Yeah appreciate yourself.
0: Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Yeah. Cause for me, meditation is not relaxing. It's kind of like, it's a practice. So I'm like, I'm like all work. I'm like, I'm going to work. Um, but like, yeah, for me actually is, um, is being outside is being in nature is like the number one thing. Like sometimes I, it relaxes me to go sweep the leaves off my front like porch and just kind of clean up Um, because it's physical. It's sort of like, it lets my mind work in the background. I get to be under my Oak trees. Um, Yeah. I live in the mountains. So just, just being outside in nature um, is my, that is like my number one kind of thing that I do for self care is just giving myself some space to, um, to be basically to be with the mountains and the trees.
1: Great. That's, I love that too. Love nature. I got to get out more into it. I'm in a city environment, so it's kind of hard for right. me. But no, thank you so much for coming on today, Adipia. This has been an amazing talk, very different than our usual entrepreneurs on here. So I, I love the twist. Um, any final comments or anything you want to leave the audience with before we sign out here?
0: No, I guess maybe just like, you know, thanks for listening. And, um, you know, I would say that the thing that I always tell people, and you know this from the book, is like, this is just a practice in trusting yourself. So just trust yourself a little bit more because you have all the answers that you need inside of you. Well,
1: Thank you so much. This has been Ada Piedrico, Courtney Stone, and that's TJF with Courtney. Thanks guys.